We're going to talk today about some things pertaining to Christmas that are very important to every one of us. Some things that God said in His Word are for the righteous, are for people who know the Lord, who know the, the value of serving Him and loving Him. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 1. And we're going to talk about some things this morning that Christmas, people in the Christmas play, the Joseph and the Zacharias and the Anna and Mary and Elizabeth and all of those folks played on that first Christmas. You heard me last Sunday when I talked to you about John. His parents were two wonderful people named Elizabeth and Zacharias. And the Bible tells us that Zacharias was old. Is that not what it says, Don? It said, and there was, he said, I'm too old. The angel said, y'all are going to have a baby. And the angel said, he's going to be a special baby. He's going to be the forerunner of Christ. And he's going to prepare the way. And he's going to make crooked paths straight. And he's going to make high places low and low places high. And he's going to declare the word of the Lord. And Zechariah said, wait a minute, you, you can't do that. I'm old. I'm old. And my wife here is advanced in years. But he knew better than tell her she was old, didn't he? That scripture says, he said, I am old. And then he said, and my wife is advanced. That's a good terminology. Brother Ford, we'll just start using advanced in years. That sounds better than old, doesn't it? Zechariah said, Lord, that would take a great miracle because I'm old and she's advanced in years. But he said, the Lord's word says that he was dumb because of his unbelief. Well, now, unbelief is always dumb. Smart is believe God. Smart is go by the word of the Lord. Smart is to believe and trust. Smart is to walk with integrity. Smart is to walk with in, uh, inspiration. Smart, but it's dumb to doubt, and it's dumb to fear, and it's dumb to not have faith. And the Bible said, if you can't say something good about God, you just won't say nothing at all. Well, the Bible said then that the day came when she would uh, have her, her child and they were all gathered at the place and their loved ones were there and the, and the family was there. And still this guy was uh, dumbfounded and he had a slate, the Bible said, that he wrote on. And uh, after the baby was born, they, uh, all the family said, we'll name him Zacharias Jr. And uh, Zacharias got the slate, and he wrote on the slate, his name is John. Because the angel said, his name will be John. And they, they said, but you don't have a relative anywhere in our family named John. And he wrote it again, his name shall be John. And all of a sudden, he started talking. And do you know what the first words out of his mouth were? Praise the Lord. 
first thing he had to do with his newfound tongue was to give a blessing unto God. And his blessing was such that he said, bless the Lord, bless the Lord, bless our God. Our God is a saving God. He is, a, he is the God of salvation and he has raised up a horn. Put 127, Luke 127 and 28 up there. Let's just see what the blessed old brother said. He said the Lord had raised up a horn to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. Next verse. And the angel came unto her and said to her, Hail, thou art highly favored, and the Lord is with thee, and blessed art thou among women. Well, this Zacharias, he had received his newfound tongue, and he had started praising the Lord and loving God, and his praise was about salvation. Matthew 1 and 21 says, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. That, that was the instruction to Joseph. And Joseph knew that this Jesus is going to be a saving Jesus. This messianic seed of Abraham, messianic seed of David, is going to bring salvation to the house of Israel. He's going to bring deliverance, deliverance. And in fact, he said, call his name Jesus. Jesus has, is the Greek name for Joshua. Joshua in Hebrew, Jesus in Greek. It, the way it is spoken by the Israeli tongue is Yahshua. Yahshua. The, Moses added the J to salvation, and, he, and the J is an abbreviation for God. It says, God is salvation. God is salvation. If God were speaking, God would say, I am salvation. Now the reason why the Pharisees and the scribes had so much trouble with Jesus is that they were offended that he kept saying, I am. You remember when Moses told God, Who shall I say has sent me to Egypt to deliver the people? Tell them I am. Tell them I am that I am sent you to deliver my people. When Jesus came, brother, he started telling folks the I am's. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the resurrection and the dead. I am he that was dead, but behold, I'm alive forevermore, he said later. I am. He was always talking about I am. In fact, he put the question to the disciples, who do men say that I am? And Peter said, well, some people say you're Josiah. Some people you're, say you're Esaias or Jeremiah. And Jesus said, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, because flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto you, but my Father who is in heaven 
and upon this rock I will build my church. I will build my church upon the premise that I am the son of the living God. I will build my church upon the foundation of who I am. I am salvation. I am everything that God is. I am. I am eternal. I am light. I am love. I am joy. I am peace. Everything God is, Jesus said, that's what I am. Praise God. I am. I am. I am. I am. That's so powerful today because it lets us know that, that Jesus is deity. As man, he was born of the Virgin Mary. But as God, he was conceived of the Holy Ghost. As a man, he said, I thirst. Can you imagine Jesus who said, if any man drinks of the water that I shall give him, he will never thirst again. How did God get thirsty? He was every bit man. He was every bit God. He was what no other person can say. He was flesh, but he was also spirit. He was a mortal man, but he was also a man who did no sin, neither was there any guile found in his mouth. He was pure. He was holy. He was sinless. You know, medical science, Jock Doc will have to help me with this, says that not one drop of blood flows from a mother of an unborn child into that, that unborn fetus. Well, she never knew a man, and her blood wasn't in the Lord Jesus. So his blood is unique. His blood is not like our blood. His blood is cleansing. His blood is healing. His blood is grace dispensing. His blood is salvation. His blood is peace. We have peace with God through the blood of his cross. If his blood were the same as my blood, it would never wash away my sin. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And when you get to heaven and that door clicks behind you, and somebody asks you, how did you get here? What are you going to say? I'm going to point to history's brightest star. I'm going to point to music's sweetest melody. I'm going to point to the sinless Lamb of God which came to take away the sins of the world. 
And when we sing the redemption song in heaven, Revelation 5 and 9, and they sang a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to loose the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us unto God of every kindred, people, language, tongue, and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign with them upon the earth. Oh, the blood of Jesus, it washes white as snow. Salvation is the number one word attached to Christmas. So then there's no way you can separate the manger from the cross. The shadow of the cross was upon the entire life of the Lord Jesus. Everything he did, everything he said, everywhere he went, everybody he met, the shadow of the cross was upon his life. So the humiliation is not just the cross episode and the crucifixion. The total humiliation of the Lord Jesus is about his whole life, his birth, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. For he is today in the presence of Almighty God. What's he doing there? The writer of the Hebrew letter says, He ever liveth to make intercession for us. Glory to God. You mean somebody is in heaven right now praying for me? Are you telling me there is somebody in heaven that is aware of my circumstance? Are you saying to me that there is somebody in heaven, somebody I know in heaven, somebody I have got in my family in heaven, and he's praying for me? Brother, I want to tell you, if you'll read that book, you'll find out that when Jesus prayed, great things happened. Brother, you'll, you'll read that book, you'll find out a sea-walking leper cleansing. Man from Galilee is the same one that spoke the word and all the worlds came into order. The creator is made to be a creature. No one else can say that. No other power, no other personality can say that. That is reserved for the person of the Lord Jesus alone. And he, by his own admission, said, I am come to seek and to save that which is lost. Neither is there salvation in any other. But at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What a great word salvation is. It ought to be the vocabulary of every person in this house. I'm saved. I am what I am because God found me when I was nothing and nobody and going nowhere. You know, there are many people that feel like you can find joy and happiness and peace in the world. But I want to tell you, Jesus said, not the peace this world gives. The peace I give that accompanies salvation is a peace that you won't find it anywhere else in the world. It's not there. He said, not the peace that the worlds give that Levi you, but my peace. My peace I leave you. What a wonderful word salvation and peace are. 
that Jesus would say, I am peace. Paul reiterated in Ephesians 2, for he is our peace, who hath broken down the middle wall or partition between us and hath slain the enmity thereby. Great word, salvation. Say it with me. Salvation. 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 The next word I want to talk to you about is a word named favor. Favor. When that angel said to Mary, Thou art highly favored, highly favored among women. Favor comes from the word charis, C-H-A-R-I-S, charis. It has a dual meaning. It not only means favor, it also means grace. Grace. I have favor with God through grace. I am saved by charis, grace, through faith. If I can find favor with God, then I will also find His grace. When I have sins forgiven and a sin-stained life washed white as snow, I will always find that grace was present. There was an instance in the Old Testament when God wanted to save the world. God wanted, as he does in the New Testament, when he said, it's not the will of God that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And when God was looking for someone to dispense grace, he said, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Because he found grace in the eyes of the Lord, God used him to spare the only inhabitants of the earth that loved and served the Lord, his family. That God started all over with one family. Can you believe that? And replenish the, the whole earth because Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He found favor. Do you know what the word favorite means? Well, just grammatically, it means one who has found grace. One who has found grace. One who has found favor. One who has found charis. One who has experienced the favor of God. Are there anybody in this house that has received the grace of God? Anybody in this house ever found favor with God because of grace? Not based upon who you are, where you came from, or how much you make, or what kind of car you drive, or what kind of house you live in. Based solely upon God's love for you. Have you found him faithful? Have you found him true? Have you found him to be a place of safety and security for you? 
Have you found him to be a rock to which you can run to when you're overwhelmed and when life seems unbearable? Have you found him to be a God who favors you? Are you one of God's favorites? You just raised your hand and said, I have received God's favor. Then you're a favorite. Because a favorite is one who has received favor. So when someone asks you, what are you doing? How, how are you? You say, I'm a favorite. I'm a favorite. Now every family's got their favorites, you know. Unless you're an only child, you probably would say another member of your family was the favorite. There was six of us. Four boys and two girls. And Anthony was the favorite at all times. If we were ever fighting, Mom would make us leave Anthony alone. Y'all quit tormenting Anthony. Y'all quit being such a bother to Anthony. You know who got by with everything they did? Anthony. More times than not, I had the Board of Education placed upon my seat of understanding. So everybody, if you were to ask Regina, Brenda, or Donnie, or Michael, they would all tell you, yeah, Anthony's the favorite. He would come right in after doing his mess and bad deeds and just walk right in, walk up to Mama and just hug her. Don't you love me, Mama? Don't you love me? And she'd very shy, oh, Anthony, get away from here. Leave me alone. Leave The point I'm trying to make to you is you're one of God's favorites. And that you may do things that displease Him. And you may do things that He doesn't like. And you may do things that are against His will. But when you come in and say, Oh God, please forgive me. I've acted so badly and I've done things wrong and I've been stubborn and I've been a, a lot of ways like I shouldn't have. And God... And he says, that's okay. My grace will take care of that as long as you're one of my favorites. Favorites. You mean God has, oh yes, he says to us, we are the apple of his eye. The apple of his eye. In that day when I make up my jewels, they shall be mine. I'm a jewel? You mean God thinks that much of me that one day when he makes up his jewels that I will be with him because I'm a favorite? Praise God. There ought to be 50 people in the aisle right now just dancing your shoes off because you just heard from God's word that you're a favorite. 
And you know what it is about favorites? You know why you feel like they're favorites? Because they're the ones that gets the most inheritance. Everything that comes along that's of any value, you know who gets it? The favorite. Anything that's got anything attached to it that it, it's better than or all that than the rest, the favorite usually gets it. Well, I can honestly say I am not a favorite in the Irwin family. Now, there are some others in my family that would disagree with that, but I'm just telling you how it really is. I'm not one of the mom and daddy's favorites. I wish you could have been there the day they divided all that stuff up. Big pile over here. Big pile over here, quilt tops and all kind of artifacts and pictures and all this stuff. And my little old pile over there. <laughs> couple of wrenches and a socket and a pull bar. You mad at your past? No, I'm not mad at them. I'm just telling you it's it's favorites, buddy. When people have favorites, it's hard not to do something for the one that's your favorite. And to know that I'm one of God's favorites. That means it's hard not to do good things for me when I'm his favorite. So when that angel said, Mary, you're a favorite. And you're not just an ordinary favorite. You are a highly favorite. You're not just an ordinary favorite. You're an extraordinary favorite. God really thinks a lot of you. Oh, blessed God. When you realize you're one of God's favorites, it's to know this, that he doesn't love you more than he loves anybody else. Yeah, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. All of us, all of us are loved by God. And it's inexplicable. I can't tell you why that he loves the unlovely. But he does. He does. Let me tell you, another one is blessed. Blessed. Anybody in here blessed? Blessed. You know what the word blessed means in the Greek? Happy. Happy. Blessed are you, Simon. On that rock I'll build my church. Gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Blessed are you when all men shall revile you and shall speak all manner of evil against you. For great is your reward in heaven. Blessed are you. Happy are you. Happy are you. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the poor, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, 
Wow, it just goes on and on. Blessings. What does that blessed, what does that blessed word mean? It means happy. And that Greek word, one in whom finds contentment. Contentment. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Are you going to come through this Christmas season happy? Or are you depending on something else to get you through? If you're hanging around waiting on getting something, well, let me tell you, anything you were to get has an expiration date. And that shiny thing you've got today will rust. And that pretty thing that sparkles will get to where it don't sparkle anymore. Because things... Always wear out and wear away. But this blessedness, this happiness. Now I'm not talking about joy, which is the next one. I'm talking about blessedness, happiness. I believe that God so marvelously guides us in paths of righteousness. That he makes us to lie down in green pastures and he leads us beside still waters and he restores our soul. He comforts us in the presence of our enemies. He anoints our head with oil. Our cup runs over with happiness. And God deliberately does things in our life for us to be blessed. And happy. When those shepherds were in those fields, keeping watch over their flock by night, they were an ostracized group of, of people. They were on the low end of the social ladder because they dealt with sheep and with goats and animals and always smelled like one. And they wouldn't let them come to church. Because they stank. So here these shepherds are, and they, they can't go to church because they're not allowed. They're too low. And they're out in the field watching over the flocks by night. Now, these were not just ordinary Bedouin sheep. These were sheep that were raised, and their destiny was to be used as a sacrifice in the temple. For, you see, every year you had to go back to Jerusalem on the Day of Atonement, and you had to buy a pigeon or a dove or, or a, a lamb or whatever your sacrifice was, so that you could be indulged for your sins. And it, it never could get done. They never could offer enough animals to cover all of the sins. There was not enough bloodletting of animals to catch up with the sin and the error in people's lives. 
So they had to go back year after year and offer another sacrifice. And these sheep were of that fold that were to become sacrifices. People bought them and sacrificed them. Isn't that interesting that to a group of shepherds who were raising sacrificial lambs that the Lamb of God born of the Virgin Mary was announced by angels. An angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Somebody say great joy. Great joy. Which shall be unto all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The Bible said, and suddenly, I love suddenly, that's a, such a beautiful word, and suddenly there were with them a multitude of the heavenly host, and they sang glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill unto men. Then someone said, let us go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass. And the Bible said, as they went, they marveled, marveled. When Mary was told by the angel, the Bible said, Susan, that they, she marveled at the things that were told her by the angel. When Elizabeth's baby leapt when, in her womb, when Mary came into the house, they said they marveled. Could I ask you today, are you a marveler? Are you one who is just overwhelmed with the marvel that God has come down to dwell with us? That Emmanuel, God in the flesh, one of us to die for us, to redeem us. And the Bible said when those shepherds came back from marveling, the Bible said, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. Somebody asked me, Brother Jerry, when can we ever get the glory of the Lord back? Well, it never left. You just quit marveling at it. If you'll start marveling at the glory, if you'll start marveling at the power, if you'll start marveling at the love of God, if you'll start marveling at the song of the angels, Lord, the glory accompanies marveling. When people think what God does is marvelous, then they experience the glory of the Lord. When a church comes to the place that they marvel and are astonished at who, who God is and what He does and how He can save and how He baptizes in the Holy Spirit, oh, then you'll feel the glory. 
The glory will be so much a part of your life if you'll become a marveler. A marveler. Great joy. Now the thing, come on Olivia. Y'all love it when I say that, don't you? <laughs> Olivia, you've got the most choice name in this group, honey. The thing that's different about happiness and joy is that one of them is controlled by circumstances. Happiness comes and goes. That roller coaster we call life has its ups and downs. And like a thermometer, you just respond to whatever's going on outside you. Joy is different. Joy doesn't move like the thermostat. Joy is constant. All hell may be breaking loose around you, but you can have joy. Life may be dealing you a hard blow, but you can still have joy. There may be need, and there may be all kinds of things in your life that you wish that wasn't there, but you don't lose your joy. You see, those Israelites that were taken captivity, they lost their happiness. The Chaldeans said, why don't you Hebrews get out your harps? Why don't you play us one of those songs of worship? Why don't you play us those songs about the glory of the Lord? Why don't you play for us a melody and a tune? Y'all get the singing to go. Let's hear you sing some. And they said, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Sometimes in this episodic life that we go through, there's times of happiness when we celebrate. There's times of sorrow and grief when we despair. But we never lose our joy. Never lose our joy. Linda sings it sometime, and I love for her to sing it. I'll never lost my joy. May have lost a lot of things, but I never lost my joy. May have lost my health, but I never lost my joy. May have lost my peace, but I never lost my joy. Never lost my joy. Can I sing the song? Yes, I can sing the song of joy. I can sit in a prison in the uttermost dungeon part, my feet in water, and my hands in stocks and bonds. And at midnight, I can say, I haven't lost my joy. Yes, I'm miserable. Yes, there's all kind of bad stuff going on around me. Don't know what the future is. I'm stuck in a tight place. But would you sing one of those songs, Silas? Do you know one? Yeah, I know one. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. Joy to the world. Don't ever lose your joy. If your joy is attached to things, 
and to people, then you may lose that kind of joy. But if you'll attach your joy to the person of the Lord Jesus, if you'll attach your joy to the one who hears every prayer, attach your joy to the one who knows you're going in and you're going out, you're sitting down and you're getting up. He's with you at all times and never leaves you. He's right there beside you this morning. He'll go home with you in that car. He'll be with you when you go to work in the morning. And that's the kind of joy that never changes when you joy in the Lord. And what's that great verse, Brother Foote? The joy of the Lord is our strength. You know why so many people are weak? You know why so many people can't retain their joy? can't retain their relationship, can't retain, can't hold a blessing. It's because the joy of the Lord is not their strength. Brother, if you'll let the glory of the Lord be your strength, be your strength. That couple I told you about in the beginning of the service was Pam and Gary Smithy. They're probably watching right now. They remember this. On New Year's Eve, I was in Children's Hospital with them. Never will forget it. It's like I'm telling you, some bad things happen at Christmas time. It's not all happiness at Christmas time. We'd taken him to Seattle to get bone marrow transplants. We'd done everything we could do. His favorite song was, Blessed to be the rock and the God of my salvation. He'd sit on that front seat where you are, Michelle, every Sunday. And he had a little Smurf ball cap that he kept on all the time because his head, his hair had all come out from the treatments. And he asked me, he said, Pastor, would it be all right to wear my cap in church? And I said, yeah, you've got my permission to wear your cap. We hours of the morning. Pam said, can I just hold him? I said, sure. In a few moments, he was gone. I walked outside Children's Hospital, and I told Pam and Gary, I wish I knew something to tell And Gary Smith, he said something to me that I've never forgotten 40 years ago. He said, Brother Irwin, do you remember the day we dedicated little Robert? And I said, yes. Do you remember what you said? I said, yes. For as long as this child lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. They said, we loved him, but God loved him more. And blessed be the name of the Lord. Tough times come. Happiness 
It's hard to find. But you never lose your joy. Never lose your joy. Stand with me, please. Put your arms out like this. I want to give you a great big hug. I love every one of you so much. And I hope you have the greatest Christmas ever. I hope things change soon so that we can pray for one another and lay hands on one another and, and uh, anoint and, and pray. I wish we could do that, but those, that protocol is not possible right now. But I'll tell you this much. God is not limited. I said God is not limited. I said God is not limited. And I refuse to limit our God. He can do all things. All things. All things are possible to people who believe. Thank you so much, God, for letting us be in your house today. And thank you for this Christmas word. Salvation. Favor. Blessedness. And joy. I ask you to be with us now and forevermore and go with us through this holiday season that no evil or harm shall befall us and that your grace will sustain us and that we'll go through this holiday season with joy in our heart and our song that we sing. Help us to sing the Lord's song and help us to maintain our integrity and help us to walk with faithfulness. We pray that prayer in the strong name of Jesus who I am and who I serve. Amen and amen and amen.